A few months ago in July, I preached a sermon entitled, Who Will Help Me? And I took the sermon from Psalm 121, and if you'll remember, Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? And then the psalmist responds, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, I know that all of you didn't hear that sermon. I know that all of you weren't here. And, and really, I know that even if you were here, some of you by now have forgotten that sermon. But essentially, the sermon was to remind us that, that God is our helper, that the maker of heaven and earth, our heavenly Father, is going to be the person who is there to help us in every situation of life. And at the conclusion of that sermon, at the end, I made some statements about God providing help in our lives. And one of the things that I said was this. When your oldest son leaves your house and you cry because time went too fast, the Lord God, the maker of heaven and earth, will help you. That statement was for me. Because it was going to be in a very few short weeks that I was going to be taking my oldest child, Jeff, to college. And I needed to know that God was going to be there to help me. And not only did I need to know that God was going to be there to help me, I needed to know that God was going to be there to help my wife, Jen. And not only did I need to know that God was going to help me and that he was going to help Jen, but I needed to know more than anything that God was going to help Jeff in his transition to college. That God would be there and that God would be the one that would help and provide the way. Well, I'd like to tell you how things went. So after I preached that sermon, it was just a couple weeks later that Jen and I and Jeff went to his college for a pre-orientation camp. And this camp was set up so that students could, could go to the camp and become acclimated to the school. It would help their transition. It would help them get a hold of what was going on. It was supposed to make everything easier. And so, Jeff, we bring him down to the camp, and we go, and we meet in this auditorium, and the leaders of the camp, the director of the camp is up front, and he's telling us what a great experience this camp is going to be and how much these kids are going to learn and how they're going to be impacted by this week at camp. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh, Lord, I hope so. I hope that it's going to go this well, the well as he's saying. And it sounded awesome, but I still couldn't completely wrap my mind around the awesomeness of this camp. And then the director says, now what I want you to do is I want you to take your son or your daughter out to the front lawn, and I want you to pray a prayer of blessing over them. And I'm thinking, man, are you kidding me? How am I ever going to get through that prayer? But we got through the prayer, and we prayed. And then the camp director comes over the megaphone and says, okay, it's time to load them up. Get on the bus. And Jeff says, see you, Dad. And <laughs> he's obviously not experiencing the same feelings that his mother and I were experiencing. So he loads himself. He gets on the bus. And as soon as he gets on the bus, I make a beeline for our car. I mean, I left Jen in my wake. I'm making a beeline for the car. And I get to the car, I lock the door, I get in, I put my hands on the steering wheel, and I just cry. Well, eventually Jen gets to the car, and, and she gets in, and she just starts rubbing my back. 
And I look over at her, and she's not even crying. <laughs> and so I say, you're not even crying. And she says, I know one of us has to be strong. <laughs> well, eventually, we've, we both cried. Not only for our transition, but for Jeff, how was this going to go? And to make matters worse, they took away his phone. Now, I know in general it's a good thing that your kid doesn't have their phone, but of all the times I wanted to talk to him and I wanted to know what was happening, they take the phone away. So we can't talk to him for the whole week, so we end up praying. And we pray over and over again, God, please, please help this transition to go well. In fact, I will tell you, I begged God. I begged God for a smooth transition. So the week passes and we get back in the car, Jen and myself, and we drive down to the school because Jeff's coming back and we need to take him to the real orientation. So we're driving and we get to the school and we drive up kind of in this U that they have and the anticipation's mounting. We've been praying the whole way, God, please, please. We get out of the car and Jeff comes kind of out and I see him and I'm looking at him and I'm trying to read body language and I'm looking at his eyes and I'm thinking, oh man, what is it? What, what's he going to say? We come up, we hug, man, it's great to see you, I missed you. And then the question, how did it go? And I'm on pins and needles. And he says, Dad, it was awesome. It was the most incredible week of my life. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had. And this is from a kid that does not use many superlatives. <laughs> awesome and incredible. And right there, I was completely overwhelmed. Now, I wanted to cry, but I didn't. I was completely overwhelmed with gratitude to God because God showed up and God made his transition go well. And he had found new friends. He felt connected. He was ready and excited to start school. It was like he had found the place that he was meant to be. And I just had this overwhelming sense of gratitude to God. I wanted to sacrifice a bull or give a grain offering or something. Now look, I know we don't do that stuff, but man, I wanted to kill me a bull. I, it was like, yes! God, you are so good. I am so thankful. You felt that way before, haven't you? You've had that experience where God has done something in your life and, and you look at that thing and you think, but for God, there is no way. God, you are so good. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're feeling that emotion. You are feeling, God, you are so good. You may have been sick or you've had a friend that's been sick and you've been praying and now you or your friend is healed. You may have a friend that you've been praying for to receive Christ and now that person who was once lost is now found. The person who was once dead is now alive. The person who was once in darkness now can see because they've received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you say, God, you are so, so good. Or maybe that person's you. Maybe a year ago you were sitting right here and you were lost. You were in darkness. And God reached down and he grabbed you and he rescued you through his son, Jesus Christ. Or maybe God's given you a job. He's taken care of you financially. He's given you good relationships. He's given you life. 
And you are just overwhelmed with gratitude to God. So, so thankful. I think that that is exactly how Peter felt when he wrote 1 Peter. Take your Bible and turn with me to 1 Peter, chapter 1. It's found in the church Bibles on page 980. 1 Peter, chapter 1. There is one line in chapter 1 that tells me that Peter feels this overwhelming sense of gratitude towards God. Peter, it's important for us to know, Peter writes this letter of 1 Peter near the end of his life. When he writes 1 and 2 Peter, he only has a few more years to live because in, in just a few years, he is going to be martyred. He's going to be killed for his faith in Jesus Christ. He's going to be killed because he's a follower of Jesus Christ. But now as he's writing 1 Peter, he's remembering all the experiences in his life. He's remembering all the highs and all the lows of his life. And he recognizes that God has transformed him from a stumbling block into a solid rock. He knows that he, that he himself has been chosen for salvation by the triune God. That God has saved him, that God is saving him, and that God is going to provide salvation in his future. But he also knows that that salvation means that he is going to be in exile in this world. Peter has walked on water, yet he sank because of his doubt, only to be rescued again by Jesus. Peter has spent time in prison because he's a follower of Jesus. But Peter has also seen with his own eyes the resurrected and risen Lord Jesus. And in the midst of these highs and these lows, because of what God has done in and through him and for him, look what he writes at the beginning of verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, exclamation point. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, exclamation point. Peter here cries out in gratitude. He knows all the things that God has done for him. He knows how God has used him. He knows how God has rescued him. He knows that God has been and is, is working and has been working and will continue to work in his life and in all of the experiences of his life. So he cries out in gratitude. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, exclamation point. And all God's people said, what? Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. This is exactly how I felt when Jeff told me how his week at camp went. Thank you, God. Praise be to God. And I know that is exactly how each one of you have felt when you have seen how God has worked in your lives. 
it should be the exclamation of each one of us as we recognize who God is and what he has done in our lives. We should cry out in gratitude and praise. We as followers of Jesus should be people who are identified by the gratitude that we express to God. But just to say it should be so doesn't make it easy, does it? Because sometimes gratitude is hard. Sometimes it's really difficult to be thankful. Life isn't always easy. Life is often a challenge, and, and gratitude then can become an even greater challenge. So this morning, I'd like us to dig deeper into this virtue of gratitude. Now, there's many places in Scripture where gratitude is talked about. We've seen one here in 1 Peter where Peter expresses his gratitude to God. There's many other places in the Bible that talk about gratitude. But this morning, I'd like to look primarily at two particular verses that instruct us on how to be grateful. In fact, they're verses that command us to be grateful. The first verse that I'd like to look at is found in 1 Thessalonians 5. It's actually verses 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians, all you have to do is turn back a few pages in your Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. In the church Bible, it's found on page 958. This is what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5. He starts in 16. He says, Rejoice always. Pray continually, and then look at verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Then, turn to our second verse. We're going to be then looking at Ephesians 5.20. It's now, that's just back like nine pages in our church Bible. 949, Ephesians 520. Look at Paul's instruction here. We'll begin kind of the second half of verse 19. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's pretty clear from these two verses that we are to be people who are full of gratitude. And this isn't about giving thanks one day a year at Thanksgiving. This is to be an ongoing, everyday trait in our life that is present in a continual matter. God's command in these verses is that our relationship with him is to be characterized by gratitude. So what is it, what is it that we learn from these two verses about gratitude? Now, I think there's lots of things that we could learn, but this morning I just want to identify three things that we learn from these two verses on gratitude. The first thing we learn is that gratitude is to be theocentric. Gratitude is to be theocentric. This means that God is to be the focus of our gratitude. Look again what Paul says in verse 20 there in Ephesians 5. Always giving thanks to who? Okay, that was one person. Good job. Always giving thanks to who? 
Yes, God, always giving thanks to God the Father. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, in that passage, although it doesn't directly say that we're to give our thanks to God the Father, the context of the passage is that's exactly what it means, that our focus in our gratitude is to be God, our Heavenly Father. G.K. Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton was an early 20th century Christian apologist, and he remarked that the worst moment for the atheist, that the worst moment for an atheist is when he or she feels grateful and has no one to thank. Think about that for a minute. We wake up this morning, and you open your door, you look out your window, and you see the beautiful sunshine. You go outside, and you, you feel that crisp fall air, and you look at the grass, and although you probably should have cut it yesterday, it is beautiful because it's still growing. There are flowers still out that you look at, and, 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 you, and you think, wow, this is beautiful. Who are you to thank? God. You're to thank God, your heavenly Father. You see, the theocentric character of gratitude is anchored in a trust that there is someone to thank. And our thanks is to be to our heavenly Father. Now, as young children, we're thought, taught to be thankful, aren't we? We're taught to say, thank you, thank you. If we have good character and we have good manners, we're, we're taught to say thank you, and, and that's appropriate. We are to be people of gratitude. When somebody does something kind for us or gives something to us, we are to say thank you, whether it's to our family, to our friends, even to strangers. When a kindness is expressed, we should express gratitude in response to that kindness. But our primary thanks our primary thanks is always due to God. The priority, the first priority of our thanksgiving is to be to our heavenly Father for who he is and what he has done in our lives. I'd like you to think about this for a moment. I'd like you to examine yourself. Are you grateful to God? And what I mean by that is do you know, do you understand that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above? Amen. Is that what you experience in your person? Are you a grateful person? And not only are you a grateful person, do you express that gratitude? Do you tell God that you are grateful for him and for what he has done for you? You see, gratitude is more than just a feeling. Gratitude is an action. And gratitude requires each one of us to act and to express that gratitude and thanks to our God and Heavenly Father for what he has done. Gratitude is to be theocentric. And that means that God, our Heavenly Father, is the focus, is the subject of our gratitude. Next, we see that God commands that our relationship with Him be characterized 
by thanksgiving continually. Look at verse 20 again. Look what it says. We're to be always giving thanks to God the Father. Always giving thanks to God the Father. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, Paul uses verbs there that are in a tense that mean a continual, ongoing action. He says that in every circumstance, every situation, we should be in a state of continual giving of thanks to God. Not once a year, not just at special occasions, but always as an ongoing practice of our lives. Now think about this for a moment. If somebody gave you a gift, say somebody gives you a small gift or somebody maybe say takes you out to lunch, it's appropriate to give thanks to that person, isn't it? But when you give thanks to that person, when you say thank you, you, you probably, it's probably only appropriate to, to do it one time. Because it gets kind of awkward if somebody takes you out to dinner to say thank you and then the next day say, hey, thanks for taking me out to lunch. And the next week, hey, thanks for taking me out to lunch a week ago. And then the next month say, hey, thank you, take me out to lunch. You see, it's important to note here that our gratitude should be commensurate with the benefit received. So think about it in the, in the opposite. Say, for example, somebody was to fund your college education and set you up for the rest of your life. Or say that somebody saves your life. What type of gratitude would be commensurate with that benefit that you received? Or think about this. What type of gratitude should be given to a divine benefactor who rescued you out of the pit that you were in because of the sin that you had committed in your life, that shed his own son's blood so that those sins would be forgiven, that clothed you in his son's righteousness, that adopted you into his family, that promised you an inheritance that is untamperable, undefilable, and will always be there, that has promised to never remove his love for you and is at this very moment creating for you a home in heaven in which you will eternally live. What type of gratitude is commensurate with that type of gift? I'll tell you what type of gratitude. A gratitude that is ongoing. A gratitude that is continual. A gratitude that is eternal. A gratitude that never ends. In essence, our life should be one giant thank you to God. Because he has rescued us out of the pit and he has provided salvation, he is providing salvation, and he will provide salvation in the future. So our life should be one unending proclamation and explanation of gratitude to our Heavenly Father. So up until this point, the teaching has been straightforward and fairly easy. 
We're to give our gratitude to God. And that gratitude we're to give in an ongoing and continual matter, manner. But what happens if things aren't going so well? What happens if life is difficult? What happens if Jen and I would have went and picked up Jeff to take him to orientation and he would have said, that's the worst week of my life. I was alone all week. I didn't make any new friends. I just want to go home. How would I have felt then? Would I have been grateful then? And I know this morning, there's many of you who are experiencing that type of pain and even pain and difficulty that would be much greater than that. Maybe you've been praying for healing for you or that person who's close to you and you or that person, you're actually sicker today than you were six months ago. Or you've been praying, you've been begging God to save that special person in your life. But they're no closer to God than they were six months ago. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you haven't had a job for years. Maybe, maybe you're experiencing great financial difficulty or the relationships in your life seem to all be broken. Life is, life's just painful. It's just difficult. And when we're in these seasons of life, to us, it doesn't seem like gratitude is the appropriate response, does it? But God sees things differently. Look what he says in verse 20 of Ephesians 5. God says, Be thankful for everything and in all circumstances. For everything and in all circumstances. Really? That's not easy. Think about that for a minute. Let that sink in. Thankful for everything and in all circumstances. That's pretty shocking. How, do you, how are we to be thankful for everything and in all circumstances? That one little preposition for carries so much weight. Think about this. Think about the worst thing you can imagine. Maybe it's financial ruin, the death of a child, the murder of somebody close to you. And we live in a world where these things happen. These things are tough, they're difficult. And these verses say that we're to give thanks for everything, no matter what happens. Now, I know that right now some of you are experiencing that type of pain. Your life is beyond difficult. Maybe the worst thing you can imagine has happened to you. And I want you to know that I don't take that lightly. Maybe today, the sorrow in your life, it feels like your world has been torn in two. And I know right now that it's difficult to read these words of Scripture. I know that it's difficult to wrap your arms around the idea of giving thanks for everything. But I want you to know 
that God is not a God of coldness or of heartlessness. He doesn't look at what we go through in the difficult times and the pains of this life and say, hey, buck up and put on a smiley face and go out there and be happy. That's not what these verses are saying. But what I do want you to know is that God wants the best for you. And I believe that these very words, that this very concept of giving thanks for everything may provide you rescue in the most difficult times of your life. These very words and this concept in providing thanks for everything can be your rescue. As we look at giving thanks for everything and in all circumstances, I want to close with sharing three things with you. First, Giving thanks for everything does not mean that God wants us to call good what he calls evil. This means that we have to look very closely at that preposition for that is found in verse 20. In the original language, that word for primarily means over. God is telling us to give thanks over every situation or in the midst of every situation or through something. It's more in line with how Paul explained it in 1 Thessalonians 5 when he says, give thanks in all circumstances. In Scripture, God has identified things that are clearly wrong. God hates idolatry. He hates murder. He hates stealing. He hates immorality. And never in Scripture does he call us, does he ask us to call what is good evil. So how do we give thanks when God clearly sees that there are things that are wrong, we are to give thanks over all things. We are to give thanks through all things. We are to give thanks in all things. You see, we are to give thanks, listen to this, for all things because all things fit into God's perfect plan. And here's the key. Write this down if you are taking notes. All things themselves may not be good. Did you hear what I said? All things themselves may not be good. But God harmonizes all things for the benefit of believers. All things themselves may not be good. But God harmonizes all things for the benefit of of his followers. God does not ask us to call good what he calls evil. Second, in thanking God for everything and in all circumstances, even in the most difficult of times, we find a pathway to peace and contentment. Gratitude is to be a pathway to peace and contentment. Think about this. When bad times come, when difficulties come in your life, what do you do? You pray, don't you? You pray hard. You pray, God, God, please rescue me. God, please save me. God, please get me out of this. And we should pray. We should pray and we should pray hard. But there is something else that God instructs us to do. And he does it in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. We don't have time to go there, but Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Listen to what God says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In every situation, in the good and in the bad and in the difficulties of life, in every situation, 
We are to pray and we are to offer thanks and then we will receive peace and contentment. The formula that you should put in your head, the formula that you should write down in your notes is this. Prayer plus thanksgiving equals peace and contentment. It is a promise from God. When we go to him and we ask to be delivered, we are to do it with thanksgiving, recognizing all the things that we do. And when we are grateful to God, what happens is, is God opens our eyes to the mercies that he has given us. What I mean by that is he allows us to see all that he has done in our past. He allows us to see that he has been present in our past. He has worked in our past. And that causes us to know that he will be present now and in our future. Prayer plus gratitude equals peace in contentment because it's in the gratitude that we see God and we see what he has done. It is a promise from him. Which leads to our third encouragement to give thanks for and in everything. I just said that we must give thanks for everything, trusting that he is working for our good, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. That can be difficult, can't it? Giving thanks in the midst of difficult circumstances, trusting that God is moving and trusting that God is acting. Do you know the only way that that works? You know the only way that it works to trust God in the difficult circumstances? It's, it's, it's if you know, if you know in your heart that God loves you. And you know what I'm here to tell you this morning? God loves you. The creator of the entire universe, the one who keeps and sustains everything and keeps it in its place and in its order, loves you. And it's interesting to me how Paul addresses this God in this passage, in this verse. He says, always giving thanks to God the who? God the Father. He doesn't describe God as the creator and sustainer of the universe who is in charge and in control of everything. He describes God as our heavenly Father because he wants you to know that God is your Father. And he loves you like a perfect father is to love. Holy, completely, without error or blemish. That is how God loves you. So Paul says, it's the father who is going to take care of you. It's the father who loves you. Be grateful to him. And you want me to tell you something? If you're not sure that he loves you, Try being grateful. Because what will happen is in your gratitude, you will start to see, you will start to know in your heart what God has done for you. So the gratitude will actually get the ball rolling. This is how incredible the idea of gratitude to God is. Our gratitude to our Heavenly Father is to be theocentric. It's to be ongoing and continual and it's to be for everything and in all situations and circumstances. Because God the Father loves you.
Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your word, for the fact that you desire to be intimate with us, you desire relationship with us, and you desire to communicate with us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all of the blessings, all of the things you have given to each one of us, thinking about this church and the community that is here, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that we can gather to worship you, that you allow that. Thank you for the sunshine, for the grass. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we also thank you for the difficulties because we know that you are working in and through them for our good. Because, Lord, it is ultimately you who are good. Thank you, our gracious Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.